Hey everyone, it's Michelle. And Brayden. And this is Spooky Shit. So this week we're doing a special holiday themed episode because Christmas was yesterday. Yeah, we didn't really have to do this, but we're doing it anyway. So we're going to be reading <laughs> some Christmassy scary stories. I, this is okay. It's just another way of me saying creepy pasta again. So not going to list the stories. Yes, but who's going to start? Uh, me. Oh, you see my hands gesturing. <laughs> You're just like yes, yes. That is true. I, I will start. Okay, you'll start. I'll go second. That's that's what I really wanted us to say for everyone. Mm, okay. Warning. This episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Well, how have you been? I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Please tell me how this is all working out. Oh Your weird God. schedule. I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty beat. Yeah. Uh, not just physically, but like mentally too. Yeah. I can imagine. Like yesterday I did a 10 hour shift and I got home. At what time? To- I think around like almost one. That yeah. was like twelve thirty. Yeah. Oh, God. It was like twelve thirty. Um, I had gone to work at two a.m. Jesus Christ! I got off at like twelve. Got home around twelve thirty ish, twelve forty ish, and then mm-hmm. I took shower, went to bed, and then I had to wake up at five for class. Dude. But luckily, it was just book work, so I was like, oh, I'll do it later. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then, um, well, yeah, because on Zoom, it's pretty, like, she, she'll just have us check in and basically mm-hmm. tell us what, like, chapter to do and then be like, okay, check back in at this time. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I do. I'll do the work and then, and then literally just go to sleep until, like, the time to check in again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal so so i literally like wake up and then i did the work and then i went back to sleep and then we had to check in again like towards the end of the class because we have mm-hmm. to actually like clock out of the class yeah because it's all based on like hours and stuff that sounds exhausting a little bit but yeah so i just like didn't really sleep fully i sleep but not like full like straight hours you take like prolonged naps several times a day basically that sounds like awful it is awful (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i basically i didn't work this morning so i basically slept in until like 11 or 12 yeah so i'm gonna publicly shame you real quick we were gonna do a true crime episode this week but he didn't text me back until today in like the afternoon to be fair i only started my research so i wasn't that bothered when we changed to this but uh (laughs) yeah it's christmas eve in three hours technically so i was like all right should we just do creepypasta because we need to record this shit yeah i i mean i was gonna try to do it but i was just so tired and i was that's why i didn't say anything either because i was gonna try to fit it in I thought because but, the other week when I didn't get your text that now, or you didn't oh. get my text that I wasn't getting your text. That's why I, I hit up on Snapchat and was like, do you see that? And he's like, no, I blocked you, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's better for us to just do this rather than doing like a true crime episode and not doing it justice. Yeah. <laughs> rather exactly. just wait and do a better job. 
But so yeah, next week. <laughs> I've just been really tired. Yep. That fucking sucks. Have you heard anything about if you're going to be kept on after the holidays? I have not. They did okay. mention that they're going to look at all the seasonals, but like we don't, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be you. But out of all the seasonal people in like my department, I think I'm pretty up there. <laughs> Cause, Humble brag. <laughs> well, just because I kind of compare myself to them, and it's like, yeah. yeah, like one of them, he's called out a few times already, and when he's there, he's just very, like, slow. And he yeah. tends, tends to, like, wander and just, like... It's like, bruh, like, <laughs> and then middle of the you're... night, just wandering around Costco. <laughs> yeah, like literally, <laughs> I'm like, dude. Or oh I would God. ask him because they, he basically couldn't find the supervisor, so he like was mm-hmm. like, hey, do you need help? And I was like, yeah, sure, do this. And it like took him forever. I was like, dude, it wouldn't have taken me that long to do that same task. Yeah, there's probably some people there who only want it to be seasonal and just need some extra bunny. Meanwhile, yeah. you're like, I'm trying to stay here. You guys have exactly. good benefits. <laughs> exactly. And there's another older guy. He's not that old, but I mean, he's older than me. We and... are in our early <laughs> to mid-20s, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he definitely, like, he has a little bit of gray hair. Like, he's older. I saw um, a gray hair in Robert's head. <laughs> he's an older man now. <laughs> but he definitely... Is a little like just kind of wanders to, or I, don't know. I love it because I know that's in the middle of the night. So I imagine if the warehouse is all dark and they're just walking around like the Walking Dead, <laughs> just wandering the halls. Well, it's not dark, all the lights are on. No, only one light's on the entire <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> I imagine it's spooky too. Hello, well, kind of, not really because, um, people. So we can't have headphones or nothing because, like, there's forklifts, so you need to be able to hear yeah, them. Yeah, you don't want to get fucking hit by something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but they do let you connect, like, your phone to, like, a speaker or play it off your phone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so I guess it's not creepy, but I'm still going to yeah, imagine it in my head like that because it's funnier. <laughs> I guess. And these two people, these two guys just wandering around blankly, not sure what to do. But, yeah, besides... But I basically just sleep in my free time. I hate that for you. That sounds awful. Jesus. Yeah. But I guess I found out that it's actually their schedules are just really that early because of the holidays and stuff. Oh, so it's not like that normally. Yeah. Normally, I found out that they usually go in at four. Oh, that's good. That's like Which way is, more manageable. Yeah. I was like, that's way more like later. But I would yeah. still want to like go in even later. <laughs> yeah. Like six maybe yeah i'm like that's still a little early no yeah that's because you still have to wake up and drive over there if it was like you wake up at four (laughs) and then show up that's different i have been having a taste of a shitty schedule myself over here oh yeah i've been streaming because i usually stream like eight to midnight and i've been starting to stream longer like the other day i streamed till like 3 40 in the morning so I keep not waking up to like 11 or like 10.30 or 11 and like it's daylight savings obviously so I'm only awake when the sun's out for like three and a half hours and I think it's fucking with me. I feel so weird all the time and I keep That's taking naps crazy. at like 6 p.m. It's weird. <laughs> I, I, I don't like it. I just want it to be like bright or or I need to like 
not fucking sleep in so much. I not I need to not get like eight hours of sleep every night after going to sleep at four. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. you need to sleep though. I do need sleep. I just I don't know. Maybe I need to take naps like earlier in the day and not wake up and be like, all right, we have to have dinner and I have to stream in twenty minutes. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that happened the other day. <laughs> I woke up at like. 7 15 and was like we need to eat immediately because i'm streaming at eight <laughs> wow it's been fun it's not as bad as your schedule but we both have some weird schedules going on well i mean like tonight i'm not gonna sleep much you oh you work tonight at what time one in the morning oh why one why have you come in even earlier uh, the i'm assuming yeah i'm assuming no. it's gonna be really busy well because they've been asking us to stay overtime. Are you doing it? Um, well, they haven't asked me yet, but I'm assuming okay. they're going to ask me. Will you say yes? Probably. Yeah. Even if it's, what if it's tomorrow on Christmas Eve? Yeah, probably. Cause even, well, because I'm going in at one, and so I would my would be scheduled to get off. I guess your overtime wouldn't be that late. It'd be yeah. like early afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I'd be scheduled, if I go in at 1, I'd get off at 9.30. So if mm -hmm. I stay, you know, the latest. Oh, you could I'd... still be home for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I forget your schedule's fucking weird. Yeah. But... Do you have any plans for the holidays? Not like extravagant plans. We're oh, okay. just going to to my aunt's house down the street. She's making pozole. Nice. But yeah, it's just gonna, it's not that many of us, I don't think. And we're going to go with, over there for a bit and then to Alaris's family for a little bit, too. Oh, cool. That's yeah. tomorrow or on Christmas? Tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. Do you do anything on Latinos, Latinos. I know. I know. And so I asked and I was like, damn it. I know. I know the answer. Yeah. No, we celebrate Christmas Eve, basically party it up, you know, get together. And then Christmas Day... We usually chill, chill. Like yeah, we chill. We chill and watch movies, basically. So we you like, recover, up. basically. <laughs> we, or we like eat the leftover pozole. Like nice. that's kind of how it is. That's why I was going so concerned that you were texting me about recording, and I was like, I know he's not going to be available on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I was gonna, if I needed to, I was gonna plan to like just right after work record mm -hmm. and then probably sleep until it's time to party <laughs> jesus christ your schedule's so nutty <laughs> i know oh my god nah physically i'm like so beat oh like, yeah my body hurts my hands what do you even do do you just like stock shelves kind of i basically move pallets around a lot and then yeah, you've said that but i'm like do you even put them on shelves or they're just like move it over there move it over there and you just run kind of <laughs> kind of it kind of is like that so that's hilarious okay um the other day i did the baking aisle so it's a bunch of like sugar flour oils oh yeah and the fucking boxes of oil are heavy <laughs> oh i fucking so, bet even the one container we buy is heavy <laughs> yeah exactly so basically the forklift drivers just drop a bunch of like half pallets mm -hmm. to stock and um so basically i have to start on like the ends uh make sure the ends look pretty because that's like what the customers first see yeah and then i start on the actual io and i have to like grab whatever pallet usually they're like half 
mm-hmm. um, unless they're brand new palettes, then what I have to do is take out the palette that was there because it's usually if it's less, it's smarter to basically take out the one that's less, plug in the brand new one, and then just stack as much as you can from that like half one onto the oh, new one. Jesus. That so it's a lot of like my arms are tired even just hearing it. I mean, definitely a lot of rearranging. Yeah, that sounds annoying. Honestly, and yeah, definitely it's like very physical. Like my hands hurt so much. Um, do you have low work gloves? Yeah, I do. Because nice. if I if I don't wear them, I actually get like a lot of cardboard cuts and. What? Yeah, no, cardboard I cuts definitely freak me out. How can Dude, they, they hurt? hurt? How do they even cut you? It hurts so I bad. I don't know. But I they literally used to have like, in our old job. <laughs> yeah, but literally on my first day, I got like two cuts on my hands, and then uh, my train the lady that was training me, she was like here, and she gave me Aww. gloves, and they look so beat already. <laughs> From all the seasonal workers of the past, <laughs> all shared the same I, gloves. <laughs> no, they were brand new when she gave them to me. Oh God, no! <laughs> but yeah, I was like, damn. But yeah, like my hands actually, like they're swollen. It's oh, weird. Like my, my ring, my um, ring finger, my married ring, your, your my wedding, wedding ring, ring. <laughs> my, my married, married ring, my wedding ring. It doesn't fit. Uh, it won't go. What? My finger. It doesn't fit. What the fuck? Like that's how swollen my hands are. Jesus Christ! And then also, like when I'm sleeping, I kind of I wake up because my hands and arms like they get all tingly. Oh, wait, what the fuck? Yes. And I found out that my mom said that it's because I have a pinched nerve somewhere in my shoulders. Oh, great. Oh, my God. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> what do you do about that? Do you like have to get a massage or how the fuck yeah. do you fix it? I think massage it out. Oh, that sucks. But, it, yeah, it's definitely weird to feel. It's like like the, my hands kind of feel numb. Is it like they're like, falling asleep? Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, like constant like you can't shake it off what the fuck it's weird you should sue costco for a million dollars nah i'll split it with you how about that i was actually (laughs) talking i was actually talking to my trainer about it because she was like just asking me like if i still like it and stuff and i was like yes i was like it's you know it's it's a lot of work but like i'm down for it like the benefits are like i've heard are amazing and she was telling oh, me a yeah. little bit and she was like oh yeah she's like they're really good they're like costco insurance like literally covers everything i was Fucking like really? sick you're like and, then, <laughs> and she, she was just giving me little tips to avoid uh hand numbness no to well about foot numbness a bunch of people told me to uh, soak my feet in epsom salt this is a weirdly hardcore job. What the fuck? You have to it's go soak physical. your feet after work. Oh my gosh. It's very physical. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed like a little bit maybe, but not like this. Yeah, no, it's definitely no. very physical. But Jesus. I, I mean, I do like it. I just, I really am tired. So that's why I would want to work later in the day. Yeah, you're definitely going to get a lot stronger from this, I bet. I mean, I do feel stronger. Like... We got our new TV, and I was helping Alaris carry it up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's heavy. 
I was like, no, it's not. Like, <gasps> that ass is not. Ooh. And then she's like, yes, it is. I was like, I don't know. It might be the testosterone or work because this shit is not heavy. <laughs> Both of them are combining to make you just hella jacked. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not heavy to me. And I was like, I don't know if the testosterone helps, but... I don't know. It might, right? I think it does. Oh, okay. All right. Sick. I'm not sure. I am jealous of your strength. I just like carry a pie upstairs that's five pounds. I'm like, I was trying to carry with one arm and it's hard. Oh, damn. My muscle does look. Hey, he has muscles, everyone. Wow. It's never you guys looked... are missing the gun show. It's never looked that defined before. Netflix. Isn't it cool when you can see it? I haven't yes. experienced that in a while, but it is cool. It is cool because usually, well, uh, it's never been that defined before, I feel. Usually this Costco just... and the tea combined, it's the perfect <laughs> mixture. Yeah. I mean, I haven't weighed myself, but everyone keeps telling me I look thinner. Really? Yeah. Is that just a strong thing, too? I guess, like, I just literally well, think of it as a late puberty. <laughs> I'm like, I no, I mean, puberty. it it really is. It's yeah. puberty again. Yeah. Um. I mean, it might be because that your like fat redistributes to look. That's more so manly. cool. That's so weird how your bodies so, just know how to do that, right? It's so it's, so cool. It's like, oh, you have testosterone now. I have to move fat over here. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> bodies are smart. <laughs> how was your well, latest yeah. shot? It wasn't bad. It's I'm actually like getting better at it. It's almost. Like second nature. Okay, good. It like was a roller coaster. You're like, yeah. oh, I didn't even feel it. Oh, it was really bad. Oh, it got stuck in my leg because I did it wrong and all the <laughs> shit. No, it's it was <laughs> it was like pretty quick. Okay, good. I'm glad. It was good, yeah. I mean it kinda hurt. I mean it's a needle, but yeah. It wasn't like ouch. It was just like it was like ow. <laughs> just, just a casual ow. Dude, yeah. you're almost two months on. I know. <gasps> That's so cool. Holy shit. I think next week, whenever we record, you'll be two months. Mm-hmm. Eee! Nice. I can't wait till it's been like a long time and we could play the recording of you at the beginning again. And be like, <laughs> it's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> when I hit that one year. Oh my gosh. And we're not even going to notice either. We're not going to notice until you play the old ones. And then we're going to be like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was gonna ask you. But yeah. Are you are you gonna change your name on Instagram and Twitter to Brayden? <laughs> Every time I, I go to eventually. search you, I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even say that name anymore. I'm like them, that one. <laughs> I've the been meaning to, but I haven't. Are you gonna like well, make Twitter post and be like surprise? Well, I mean, I think it came out on Facebook, so I just need to actually change it. Yeah. I guess the only reason I've been holding back is because I'm like, I mean, I don't need his approval. But oh, I've been waiting dad, for my yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad. Damn, he is taking his sweet time getting back to you about this. Well, I mean, he actually sent me a letter for my birthday, and he also sent okay. us a Christmas card. But, nice. like, he didn't answer my question. God fucking damn it. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess. No, I, mean, I understood why you'd wait. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I do like the name, so I probably will change it. I was just trying to see if he had another name, you know? Maybe he's thinking. Maybe. But, um, 
Yeah, I think that's about it with me. School's been going good. It's been nice. learning some ways to blow dry and stuff like that. Oh, and you curled your little mannequin's yeah. hair today. Curled and straightened her hair. Her name oh, is Erica. Her... Oh, she has a yeah. name, Erica. Yeah. They all have Why? names. Do you name them or do they come with names? No, they come with names because I guess Aww. like every like name is a different style. What the fuck? That's so funny. So like Erica, she has like longish like straight hair and then there's another doll i don't remember her name but she has like curly hair and then there's the male model like mannequins mm-hmm. one of them's named ian <laughs> Stop. and the other one i don't remember <laughs> that is so weird but yeah that's how i mean it's easier to keep track of yeah rather like, than knowing the hair type <laughs> yeah the instructor's like oh bring your erica dolls <laughs> So if you like went to ever do my hair, you'd be like, oh, such an Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How funny. But yeah, I think that's about it with me. Can't, I don't know, can't think of anything else really. I don't really have anything either. I already shared my parts, just how my streaming's been weird. (laughs) And oh, something so fucking annoying. So I don't know if I mentioned, we. We're not doing the best financially. We uh, got approved for rental assistance for like three months. They said they sent the money last month. So we thought that they were like mailing a check or something. I don't know. And then I called them this week because we still haven't gone. It's been over a month. And they're like, yeah, we sent it. And then they gave me the phone number for an apartment like three miles away that I don't even live at. And so that's where they sent the money. And now this these people, I left them voicemail and they're not calling me back. And I feel like they probably think that it's like a scam and I'm trying to get money. And the person like won't help me anymore than that. They're like, you need to call whoever it was that got the money and see if they have it and if they could send it back. And I'm like, bro, you have like thousands of dollars just in the wind right now. And you're just telling me, yeah, figure it out. <laughs> wow. like, why, don't you, why don't you care more? I don't know what to do. That's crazy. It's very, very frustrating. I, I bet. I'm going to use Robert's phone to start calling that number because I, the first time I called, I left a voice and I was saying the situation. I asked them to call me back and then I was like, this is going to sound so fake. I'm going to be like, do you guys have a check in my name from last month for three months of rent? They're going to be like, no, who the fuck are you? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so I don't really know what to do. And they're not, I feel bad, but they're not the best at helping mm-hmm. these people in the city. So, it's been a really annoying week. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. But we we did have two people on the stream who donated like gifts or gifted subs. So now mm-hmm. we went from like 14 subs to I think we got 20 more in one night. So that was nice. Damn. We have like 30 37 now. Pretty wow. sick. Mhm. We ordered some more emotes and badges. That's really good. Oh, and I sent you already, but I'll tell everyone else, on Discord, somebody, uh, let me give them a shout out if they they listen this far, but somebody from the stream said that they started Spooky Shit from episode one, and they listened to it at work and while driving, and they love it so far. (laughs) It only gets better. I know, so shout out to Claude. Thank you. I feel like this is all just a username, but I won't say the second part of the name in case it's their last name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So shout out. 
I've been shameless about mentioning spooky shit all the time. I just had hot chocolate last night and I lifted up the mug and was like, oh, this. And I have a little command in my chat. So if I do exclamation point spooky, it's like, Michelle has a spooky and true crime podcast. Click here to listen. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Shameless. <laughs> That's good, though. Yes. I'm trying to get people more interested in that. And then as far as Boon Babe goes, like I literally, I was cutting trees in RuneScape today. And I was just talking to somebody and I was like, yeah, I'm just doing this while I record my podcast for RuneScape to get their interest. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's called a boon vape. <laughs> <laughs> and they said they'd give it a listen. So I was like, yes. Weirdly putting myself out there every opportunity sometimes works out. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I know, I, last oh, night I tried to. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends. But don't give up. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, I heard a co-worker listening to Crime Junkies, and I was uh, I didn't get to talk to her because we got oh, busy. Yeah. I was going to be like, hey, yo, if you like true crime, you should listen to my podcast. Oh, you totally should. It's so awkward, but if they yeah. say yes, then it's really cool. And no one's going to say no to your face. True. If it's in real life, they won't say no. I just kind of get rejected because it's online, and they just never respond. <laughs> I they tried last away. night. Yeah. I you're not gonna know what this means, but there's a shooting star and we we're all mining it, which is an AFK thing. You know what AFK is away from keyboard. You don't have to pay attention. You're just kind of uh, sitting there chilling while you go. Oh my god, uh-huh. what a noob. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all here and somebody from the stream went by too because they'd never been. And I just like, all right, I'm just gonna say it. I was like, hey, if any of you guys wanna like watch a stream, I'm streaming right now. And then the person who was on the stream watching, like, they were like my little hype man. They were like, oh, yeah, they have a great podcast, too. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. And then no one said anything. And I was like, oh, my God, they probably think that both these accounts are me. (laughs) I bet they, because what are the fucking chances that this other person right next to me would be like, and they have a good podcast? Yeah, true. I should have been like, and that's not me. This is someone from the stream right now. Because it probably sounded so fucking fake. No one talked for like five minutes. And then when they did, they just like talked about something else. That's funny. It was so weird. Uh, Sometimes it backfires, but it's okay. Oh, I also found out that apparently Boon Babe has a hater. Or used to at least. Oh, shit. On our podcast, we would, for like a few weeks, months ago, we would always get dislike on our podcast every time it came out. Like... Our podcast does not get that many views on YouTube. It ends up being like <laughs> 50 a week. So the day it comes out getting a po- or getting a dislike already is like weird. I'm like, okay, why are you immediately disliking this? And somebody in the chat, I don't know if they're exaggerating or what, but they said that they were watching another stream or listening to another RuneScape podcast. And someone was like talking about us and said that we like kind of copy their idea or something. Like kind of say they don't like us. So they think it's them and they wouldn't, they didn't tell me what idea it was. And I almost started crying whenever I found out because I felt so bad. I was like, what did we do? And then Robert was like, fuck them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you obviously don't know. You aren't copying anybody. I know. And Robert was like, also, it's impossible to like make YouTube videos and have an original idea. Like it's always going to be copying someone a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so because like literally everything's been done. Yeah, there's nothing new that you can do. You can change it a little bit, but the idea is probably still the same. Especially mm-hmm. RuneScape. Like, what am I supposed to do? That's different. I'm gonna be like, oh, quest guide. Like, everyone has a quest guide. It's <laughs> everyone does it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we had a hater. At least we used to. 
Oh, wait, I guess I do have more stories. And I played that game Phasmophobia, and it's so scary. <laughs> it's so scary. I want you to download it and play it with me. I, like, physically cannot will myself to walk into the house when I'm playing it alone because you're ghost hunting. It's from your point of view, and they can kill you. It's so scary. And they close the doors. And it's so hard for me to open up the doors. Like, I struggle so much in my flashlight just flickering. And I'm just, like, talking out loud saying, "Ah!" fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm trying to get out. And I run out. And I feel my pulse. And my pulse is racing in real life. (laughs) And I need someone to play it with me because playing it alone is so scary. Oh, that sounds fun. You have to get it. It's, like, only $14 on Steam. If anyone listening gets this game literally hit us up anywhere and we could play this game together because I, I played with the person who bought it for me and they like know what they're doing so it's fun and you like talk on the microphone it was a little scary but then when you're playing alone it's a whole different vibe it's a whole different kind of scary it's a whole different kind of scary which sucks because i really want to play it you can play people online too randomly but i don't want to be like the worst one on the team unless it's someone that i know like that <laughs> first i didn't care because like i've been talking to them on stream forever but i don't want to be like three strangers and i'm just like so guys what do we do now <laughs> oh. but yeah i think that's it i think that's it and if any of you want to play that game for real hit me up it's fun phasmophobia brayden i was trying to get you to play it you did not download it i tried to get leah too she was like maybe and i was like you fake bitch oh i will say one thing that happened okay it didn't happen to me um, <laughs> it happened a little bit ago Okay. Basically, my mom woke up at like three because she heard her door open. No. It was like three something. She heard her door open and she basically saw a black figure walk into her room and stare at her and she thought it was my sister. Like, she dead ass thought it was my sister and she was like, what? Like, what's wrong? And then basically, the figure left. And my mom was like, what the hell? And so she checked the time, and it was like 3-something. And she got up. 3.15, probably. <laughs> no, yeah, it was like, <sighs> it was definitely witching hour. And she got up and was like, what the fuck? And she went to my sister's room, and my sister was like, passed the fuck out. So she was like, she couldn't go back to sleep, because she was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I would have woken up all of you and been like, we're all going in the same room today, and we're barricading the doors. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I was already at work. Oh, my God. But that's how she knew it wasn't me because, like, I was already at work. Oh, my God. But, yeah. So, when are you guys moving? (laughs) Because I would never sleep in there ever again if I was her. Yeah, she definitely had trouble sleeping. But she had my grandma come over and basically pray. Okay. Bro, how do you say it so casually? Oh, yeah, one other thing. My house is haunted. (laughs) What? Oh my god, that creased me out so bad. I guess was telling Leah and Jesus, and Leah Mm -hmm. was all like saying that it was all my fault because we do the podcast. We talk about about all this spooky stuff and true crime. I'm like, that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, it's Leah's fault for leaving. Three was was a powerful number. It kept us safe. Now only two. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean... My sister has said it's haunted. What did she experience? Why is there? Why am I just hearing have, about this? No, I swear I've said something that she sees a little girl in her room. Oh, God, I just blocked out my mind. Oh, 
Why did I ask more? I forgot about that. Yeah. I guess I've never experienced anything. But now I am a little scared. Oh my god. You know, I like, we tell these ghost stories and sometimes I like think it's funny. I believe in ghosts, but I don't think I'll ever see one. <laughs> this is going to sound so fucking dumb. Phasmophobia has changed everything. I'm so afraid of seeing a ghost <laughs> now. Because you just have lights flickering and then you turn around and you just see a dark figure standing there. And it's, in the game, they kill you. So it's like fucking scary. And I'm now really afraid of ghosts. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a ghost. I still want to go to the Whaley house. During the day, not at night. They have a creepy <laughs> tour, and I don't need that. I'm fine just going during the day when it's a normal museum. <laughs> don't be chicken. Uh, you have demons in your house. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we can't all be as brave as you. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's the last thing. That's like I don't remember anything else we've said this entire time because that's all <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about for the rest of my life now. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, her. She heard her door open. Mm-hmm. stop bro oh my god Ugh. okay um anyway let's get to these fucking stories distract me with these fake stories please all right so before i start i'm gonna apologize because i did not read any <laughs> of forgot. these so basically because i had to do an assignment for school <laughs> I basically had a layers. I was like, can you please go through this and just choose a bunch of stories you think are interesting so I could say them for the podcast. Oh my god. So these are new to me. I should have <laughs> sent you the ones that I read because I, I think I might actually do a different story than the ones that I sent you. Oh, really? Yeah. We'll, we'll oh. see what happens this episode, but you're going to be surprised even reading your own. Yeah, yeah. Oh my so, god. Okay. I, I guess these were interesting to Alaris. So shout out to Alaris for doing that for me because I was like stressing. Slash, <laughs> it's all Alaris' fault if they suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you really mean. No, that's not what I mean. Thank you, Alaris. See, she's keeping us safe. She's the third in this podcast. I, right. Now she's I a part of it. I told her, I was like, you don't want to like do it for me she was like fuck no that'd be so cool if you ever don't want to do it i'd be so down to have a layer on as a host or she could just come on anyway i told her and she was like fuck no i was like why not she's like i'm just I'm, i'd be scared no i was really like why i was like nobody could see you and she's like still she's like i'm just gonna be laughing the whole time like you wait us were. our first episode yeah that's exactly <laughs> what she said and i was like so well now we still laugh all the time but we just don't care yeah <laughs> i remember whenever we first recorded the episode and i played it for my older sister and she said yeah it's mostly good but you guys are laughing a lot and like nothing funny is happening <laughs> i was like that's brutal she, she, uh, she was honest yeah she was honest if not a little harsh but yeah that'd be cool to have a Laris on i thought it'd be cool to have a Laris and robert on we could have a valentine's day episode Hey, that's cool. That'd be sick. We'd have to do creepy pasta because Robert's a little baby. But we should definitely try to convince them. Oh, a hundred percent, yes. Oh wait, what if we took a week off and they were the hosts for the week? How funny would that be? That would be cool. (laughs) Alaris would just be laughing a lot. Robert just be like not talking. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) They'd be awkward as hell. Oh my god, that'd be my favorite. I would love to see this happen. <laughs> that, yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay, we'll make this happen someday. <laughs> we'll make it happen. 
All right. This one is called My Son Heard Santa on the Roof, but I don't think it was Santa. Yeah. My son. <laughs> so glad you didn't read these before. <laughs> Were you going to say my Santa? <laughs> no. <sighs> I'm just going to apologize right now. I'm probably going to mess up a lot. That's what happens when you don't read what you're going to say. I, I know. All right. <laughs> we should do this live. <laughs> <laughs> My son heard something on the roof last night. Police lights covered our leaving leaving room. Ah, <laughs> oh, great. Excuse my accent. It slips out sometimes. <laughs> leaving. My leaving room. <laughs> oh my god, twice in the first sentence. This is amazing. Ah. Police lights covered our leaving room. Stop! Are you doing this on purpose? No, I swear I'm not. You're like, no, no. My leaving room. Uh, If I do it again, I'm just going to keep going. Just read a different creepypasta instead at that point. (laughs) Oh, okay. Police lights cover our living room as I type this. It was Christmas Eve, and we were all tucked into bed, like we should have been. That was when I heard a pounding sound coming from the ceiling. My wife rustled a bit in her sleep, but remained still. I, on the other hand, could not. I got up out of bed and went to check on my son. When I got to his bedroom, he wasn't there, which scared me. I rushed out out of his room and looked over the stairs balcony into the living room. There was my son, stunning. Wow. He was stunning. (laughs) What a beauty he is. (laughs) My beautiful boy. (laughs) Uh, There was my son, standing in front of the chimney, next to all the presents my wife and I had wrapped just an hour ago. Great, I thought. It looked like we get no sleep before we have to open presents. I journeyed down the stairs and made my way past the kitchen into the living room. Hey, champ, I said in a groggy voice. What are you doing up so early? My son turned to me and said, I heard Santa Claus on the roof, and I wanted to come down and see him. I lifted a brow as I glanced at the presents he steadily ignoring beside him. Looks like Santa brought you a lot of gifts this year. You must have been a good boy. My son looked to the ground with a frown. Why the long face, bud? Santa says that you wrapped those gifts yourself. Oh yeah? You talked to Santa, have you? He looked back down at the floor. He told me not to tell you. This had me a little worried. I wondered if my wife had taken our son to the mall, Santa, and maybe he'd been drunk and spilled the beans about the magic of Christmas (laughs) to our child. Don't listen to that Santa, buddy. Those presents have Santa's name on them. Now, how about we open gifts? I'll wake your mother up as soon as I make her a cup of coffee, and we'll open these bad boys, okay? He turned back to the chimney as I went to brew my wife a cup of coffee. As I brewed the coffee, I could hear my son whispering something to himself. Hey, bud, who are you talking to? He turned around and said, Santa. Then he fell to his knees and collapsed on his palms. I looked towards the chimney and saw a long, slim, black and gray striped sweater arm going down the chimney. <gasps> with 
the long fingered bony hand around my son's ankle. <gasps> oh shit. I know you don't I, know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped the mug of coffee to the ground, shattering it into pieces, and took a few steps forward, but it was all fruitless. The chimney absorbed my son, pulling him upward into it. His screams echoed off the bricks until the only thing I could hear was the pounding on the ceiling. No, the rooftop. I ran outside, ignoring my wife's yells from upstairs, and quickly peered up at the roof, where a tall, scrawny, old, bearded man stood. His eyes were sunken in, and the eyes themselves were pitch black. Antlers extended out from his forehead, stretching out towards the night sky. He had a bulging sack over his shoulder. It must have been my son, squirming inside the bag for dear life. The bearded man looked over at me, put a finger to his lips, then leaped into my neighbor's rooftop and then into the next, until he was out of sight. My wife ran outside to me and asked where our son was. I told her to phone the police, which she did. And that brings us to where we are now. Police have questioned me repeatedly. At first, I gave them the true story of what ha what happened. When they didn't buy it, I changed my story, and they threw it up to me being shaken by what had happened. In the end, I told them there had been a robbery and my son had been kidnapped. What I told the police before, though, was that my boy had heard Santa on the rooftop, but I don't think it was Santa. Ew, it like fucking Krampus or something. Yeah, it sounds creepy Girl. as fuck. I like the holy shit because you didn't know what was <laughs> happening. I was like, what the fuck? Good choice, Alaris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is longer, so <laughs> be prepared for that. Cool. But this is The Perfectly Behaved Boy by Thomas O. There was once a very well-behaved eight-year-old boy named Miles. He did all the things that good children are supposed to do. Nearly all the time. He ate all his vegetables, unless they were carrots. He completed all of his school assignments, except for that one time he forgot to finish his homework. He was always nice to his friends, unless you count that one time he yelled at his schoolmate Tony. And he never spoke back to his parents or got mad at them, with very rare exceptions. Yes, he was nearly perfect, and he was a joy for his parents to raise almost all the time. That boy existed more than 30 years ago, and in a manner of speaking, he still exists. That boy? He's me, and he will always be a part of who I am. I can remember every transgression I made as a child, not only because there were so few of them, but because they ended up shaping my life in a way you could never imagine. Of all my misdeeds, the one that stands out most vividly is the very last time I yelled at my parents. The funny thing is, even though I can remember being mad and I can remember every word I said, I don't recall why I was upset. When I try to think of the reason, it's like looking at a blank sheet of paper in my mind. I can tell you that it wasn't anything that my adult self would find consequential but I know it felt important at the time. It was two days before Christmas, and the words I spoke felt foreign as they came out of my mouth, probably because I'd never said anything quite like them before. Go away. I don't want you to be here anymore. I don't want you to talk to me ever again. I could see the hurt in my parents' eyes as I unleashed my tirade towards them. Even now, I'm surprised at what a profound effect the words from my eight-year-old self had on them. Their dismay was mixed with obvious shock upon hearing me lash out. My mother had a look on her face that was confused, sad, and angry at the same time. Father was harder to read, but I knew he wasn't happy. Sadly, the looks on their faces are among the last memories I have of my parents. Their distraught scowls are burned in my mind. Two visages are now a permanent part of my psyche. 
By the time that Christmas Eve came around, all had been forgiven. Whatever the issue had been, it was resolved. My mother cooked a special ham dinner, and we had a roaring fire going. The house was warm and extra comfortable, and in the hours after dinner, I sat and sipped from a mug of hot chocolate with peppermint. I no longer believed in Santa Claus, but that didn't stop me from feeling a natural yuletide excitement. I fell asleep that night, staring at the dazzling lights and shiny ornaments that clung to our Christmas tree. I vaguely remember my father carrying me to my bedroom and giving me a little kiss on my forehead. I woke later that night to the feeling of someone poking their finger into my back. Wake up, kid. It was a voice I'd never heard before, a man's voice with a slight drawl. My eyes opened widely as I instinctively rolled out of bed in an outright panic. I fell to the floor and screamed for my father. I was trapped in the corner of my bedroom. I could see the man's silhouetted figure looming clearly in front of me. A small red glow came from a cigarette in his hand. I froze in fear of this stranger who had invaded my home. The man spoke to me again. Quiet down, he can't hear you right now anyhow. He put a cigarette to his lips and inhaled deeply. As he did, his face was illuminated by the red glow, and I could see his deep-set eyes, his dirty fingers, and his long black hair. The kid, I can hear you. I can hear you better than anyone, in ways you can't even understand. He pointed at the side of his forehead as he spoke. I didn't reply, but even through my fear, I couldn't help but wonder who this man was. He nodded as if he knew exactly what I was thinking. So you'd like to know who I am? Well, I'm the guy who's tuned into your mind. I'm the guy that's been around for a long time. And most importantly, I'm the guy who gives kids what they ask for. He looked straight into my eyes, invading my mind and reading my thoughts. No kid, I ain't Santa. He was agitated. You stupid? Do I really look like that fat fucker? No man, I'm much better. I don't judge and I don't discriminate. I give kids what they ask for, the good kids and the bad kids. I finally found the courage to speak, even though he seemed to have no trouble answering my questions before I even asked them. I, I didn't ask for anything. My voice trembled as I spoke. Sure you did. You wanted your parents to go away. I heard that loud and clear, loud and clear. Not very nice of you. I'd say that makes you a bad little boy. But don't worry, like I said, I don't discriminate. But I don't want them to go away. He shook his head. You said it. You meant it at the time. I heard it. I don't hear all the kids, just some of them, and I hear you the loudest of all. Tears began streaming down my face, but their presence didn't seem to change the visitor's demeanor towards me. Well, kid, I just wanted to meet you and see whose voice had been screaming in my head for the past few days. He turned and started walking towards the door. I gotta get started. It's time to give you your gift and get a gift for myself, too. Merry fucking Christmas, kid. He flicked a cigarette into the corner of my bedroom as he passed through the doorway, repeating himself as he walked down the hallway in the direction of my parents' bedroom. Merry fucking Christmas. The door to my bedroom shut, even though the man himself had made no effort to close it. I screamed aloud for my mother and father. To this day, I still have no idea if they heard me. I wish I could tell you that I bravely ran out of my bedroom to warn them, but I just sat huddled in the corner, crying and afraid. I listened intently for sounds of a struggle or for my parents yelling, but I couldn't hear anything. Hours passed, and I could see the sky outside turn from black to gray, then to orange. I waited for my mother and father to find me. The orange sky turned blue as the day wore on, but they never came. An absolute silence hung over the house, yet still I sat there. It was well into the afternoon when I finally left my room. I knew I couldn't stay there forever. I tiptoed slowly to my door and opened it only a few inches. Looking out from inside my room, the house appeared normal. Everything that I could see was in its place. I pulled the door open all the way, almost expecting the man from the door to jump out at me, but that didn't happen. My voice broke the silence. Mom? Dad? No response. Trying my best to stay quiet, I walked slowly down the hallway towards my parents' bedroom. Their door was ajar. Dad? I put my hands on their door. Mom? I pushed it open and looked inside. I don't actually remember what I saw. 
To be clear, I'm perfectly aware of the fate that befell my parents, based on what was told to me later on. But I have no memory of the actual sight that I witnessed during that one awful moment. It's a traumatic event that my sane mind has blocked out. Even today, when I recreate the events of that night in my dreams, the scene fades to white as I push the door open. My next memory is of me laying down in the street directly outside my house, screaming and filling my arms wildly. The Porter family, who lived next door, witnessed my distress through their living room window. Mr. Porter exited his house and rushed over to me. He could tell something was seriously wrong. They're dead, It was all I could say. I repeated it again and again. Mrs. Porter followed closely behind her husband and comforted me as he went to check inside the house. A minute later, he exited and promptly vomited into the bushes. Nobody ever told me the whole story of what they found in that bedroom, at least not directly. It was explained to me that a very bad person had broken into my house and murdered my parents, even though I already knew as much. What was held back for me at the time is the fact that they'd been decapitated. The cuts were clean, almost surgical. Both bodies were lying on the bed as if they'd been asleep when it happened. The worst part was that their heads were missing, not to be found anywhere. Their bodies were sliced open and strange symbols were drawn on the wall in blood. Other than the carnage itself, absolutely no physical evidence was discovered at the scene. Not one fingerprint, stray hair, or footprint was left behind. Nothing. Your face right now. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) The police listened to my story when I was ready to talk. I found out later I was considered to be an unreliable witness, mostly because the details of my story didn't mesh with the lack of physical evidence. A specially trained detective and my new therapist sat down with me to review what I told the police earlier. The man, he wasn't wearing gloves? I shook my head no. I clearly remembered the cigarette in his hand and there was no glove. And he threw the cigarette on the ground when he was done smoking it. I nodded yes. And he closed your door when he left your room? I shook my head no, then thought about it and nodded my head yes. I wasn't really sure. The detective took notes as I talked. He nodded his head pleasantly, but even then I could see the strange look on his face when I told him that the man had read my thoughts. The one thing I never told the police was that two days before the murders, I'd asked for my parents to be gone. The sketch artist came by afterwards. He started off by drawing some smurfs for me, then slowly began working me up to the task of remembering what the murder looked like. I appreciated his effort. When he was done, the picture looked somewhat like I imagined the man, but not exactly. I was taken in by my mother's sister, Aunt Janine, and her husband, my uncle Anton. As unlucky as I'd been with the death of my parents, I have to say that I was nearly as lucky to have those two in my life. Other than my parents, they were probably the best people in the world who I could have lived with. Looking back at the events of my life, I have to say that today I miss them every bit as much as I miss my parents. Janine worked as an office manager, but she took a leave of absence for the first few months after the murder so that she could be home to support me. Anton worked for a home security firm. He was the kind of guy who always had a smile on his face, so much that it would be impossible for a person to even imagine him angry. He made instant connections with people, and he had a confidence about him that made people want to seek his approval, whether consciously or unconsciously. Janine and Anton didn't have any children of their own, and they'd always been very generous towards me. I knew them well, so it was easy for me to slip into their lives. I put a huge effort into making sure that I gave them no trouble, and I asked them for nothing. My conversation with the murderer was never too far from my thoughts, and I could hear an amalgamation of his comments ring through my mind daily. I'd give give kids what they asked for, the good kids and the bad kids. I didn't know what the good kids were given by this man, but I understood all too clearly what happened to the bad children. It was two months before I felt like I was ready to go back to school. Janine and Anton, and even the school administration, were very helpful in understanding throughout the whole process. My classmates welcomed me back with smiles and words of encouragement. It's often said that children can be cruel, but I think it's even more true that they can be sweet and supportive. I really can't emphasize enough how much returning to all my friends helped me along in the healing process. 
My anxiety began to ebb, and my therapist proclaimed that it was a major milestone for me. Despite the progress of my psychological healing, there were always several thoughts that I couldn't rid myself of. The first was the guilt that I felt about asking for my parents to go away. I knew full well that the murder of my parents was in no way my fault, but there was always that nagging voice that wouldn't let it drop. I'd asked for them to be taken away, and that's exactly what had happened. The second thought was that the murderer would return again the following Christmas. Initially, all the adults assured me that he would be arrested quickly. Then, when that didn't happen, I was promised that there was no way he would ever get his hands on me and that I was safe. They made sure I was never left alone, and when Janine went back to work, she only did so part-time so that she could pick me up when school let out. I also had difficulty with the more unbelievable aspects of what happened that night. I tried to convince myself on a daily basis that the murderer was just a normal man and that my memory of these fantastical elements was merely my own imagination betraying me. But just like the guilt I felt, the troubling thought that this man was more than just a man didn't subside entirely. For victims of trauma, anniversaries can alter trigger symptoms like depression and fear. For me, Christmas was the anniversary of my worst memory. As the summer ended, Janine and Anton, along with my therapist, decided early on that Christmas wouldn't be celebrated in our household that year. Nobody felt that I'd be ready for it, and they were right. Since we knew that Christmas was going to be an ordinary day for us, Janine and Anton made sure to throw me a huge birthday party in October that year when I turned nine. It seemed like most of the community turned out. We had a bounce house, ponies, and even a magician. Everyone, including me, had a great day. It was probably the first time in ten months I'd grinned. Sure, there have been smiles up to that point, but I'm referring to the type of grin where your teeth show and the, el- and the elation on your face can't be mistaken. Unfortunately, the joy of my birthday couldn't last forever. Inevitably, the signs of Christmas slowly started popping up not long after Halloween passed, and my anxiety started increasing. Though we weren't going to celebrate it, Christmas would be impossible to ignore. Holiday lights, store displays, television commercials, Yuletide songs, pumped-over public address systems. How can one avoid all those things and still function within society? Though these harbingers couldn't be avoided altogether, Janine and Anton made a concentrated effort to minimize my exposure. Instead of letting me watch my TV shows, Anton taught me the game of chess, which we played nightly. For the most part, they avoided taking me to any stores and kept me home or close by as much as possible. Avoiding these triggers probably helped somewhat, but I still couldn't get rid of the tightening feeling in my chest that I felt every morning when I woke up. I managed to avoid any sort of breakdown until the 21st of December. Aunt Janine, because she was taking care of me, had herself been staying home an ornament amount of time. Finally, after our fifth game of rummy in a row, she'd had enough. She tossed her cards aside. You know, Miles, we've been cooped up too long. Let's get out of here. We'll go get some ice cream. One little trip won't hurt, right? I smiled in response. Okay. Ice cream sounded good, even in the middle of December. Aunt Janine, who was talkative by nature, kept the conversation flowing all the way to the ice cream shop. I suppose this was her attempt to keep my focus away from the lights and displays that we passed, and it worked too. Ask a kid a question about his favorite superheroes, and he's going to be fairly preoccupied while he talks about them, even the quiet ones. We made it into the shop. I ordered a double scoop of chocolate fudge brownie. We sat down to eat our treats, with Aunt Janine still engaging me in conversation. Just for a brief moment, a nearby toy store's glittering Christmas display caught my eye through the window. They had a life-size poster plastered in their display window. It was a picture of Santa upon a rooftop, posed in a position as if he were just about ready to climb down a chimney. Blazing Christmas lights surrounded the display, and large words spelled out, What do you want for Christmas? I tried to turn away, but the colorful lights clouded my vision, enlarging their scope until they all combined, finally creating a great white light. Miles? Miles? My aunt's voice was becoming more and more urgent. I suddenly realized she'd been calling my name for several moments. The cup of ice cream dropped from my hand. I, I just want them back. 
At that moment, the tears flowed freely. I could think of nothing else. I was hysterical. Aunt Janine quickly came over to my side of the table. Oh my god, Miles, I'm so sorry. She grabbed me and hugged me tightly. I reciprocated, holding onto her as firmly as I could. This was a bad idea. I'm so sorry, sweetie. I'm so I'm so sorry I brought you out. That was stupid of me. I'm so sorry. I missed them too. It took at least 15 minutes for Aunt Janine to call me to a point where we could leave the shop. We left our unfinished ice creams behind. No other incidents happened in the next couple days, and my interactions with Anton and Janine helped distract me. Finally, it was Christmas Eve. I was quiet all day long, even more so than usual. Anton noticed and had a little talk with me after dinner. You okay, buddy? I nodded my head yes. Despite my assurance that I was okay, he could tell I wasn't. He knew almost exactly what was on my mind. Come here, Miles. Let me show you a few things. I followed him to the living room window where he moved the curtains aside. See these windows? He slapped a hand on the pane to show me how solid it was. This is the strongest window that they make for residences. My company installed these. They're unbreakable and there's no way someone can open them from the outside. I stared out the window while on the other side the blackness enveloped the house. He took me over to the door. See how strong this is? It would take a tank to knock this door down. The back door too, and there's no other way in. He led me over to the alarm control panel that was on the wall. This is the best system that they make. I installed it myself. He kneeled down to my level. Miles, you're safe here. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can get in here unless we let them in. He glanced aside with his eyes. And don't tell your aunt I showed you this. He moved his coat aside so I could see the holster pistol he was wearing. Just some added protection, but I won't even need this. I nodded, feeling a little bit safer, but not completely. I still worried, not only for myself, but for Janine and Anton as well. By the time I approached, an Aunt Janine, with an insight usually reserved for longtime mothers, knew the one thing that might make the night a little easier for me. Miles, do you want to sleep in our room tonight? She asked. Yes, I smiled and nodded at the invitation. We would all be able to look out for each other. They'd protect me, and I'd be able to warn them if someone came in. They put some soft blankets on the ground for me, right next to their bed. I was in a nice, protected spot in the large gap between the bed and the wall. I couldn't fall asleep for several hours, but I could hear while Janine and Anton began their nightly slumbers. Their breathing became rhythmic and almost melodic. I listened intently for any noise that might be out of the ordinary, but nothing abnormal sounded out. There was a clock ticking somewhere in the house, and the occasional car passed by. Finally, my weariness overpowered my uneasiness, and I began my night's sleep. The dream I had that night was unlike any other I'd had before. I was in what appeared to be a large garage, the type where mechanics worked on cars. All around me, automated parts were spread out along the ground. Tires were stacked up, and old rusted chassis filled the center of the room. Grime dripped from walls. The area was lit by a single overhead lamp. I instantly knew I was dreaming, even though it was the first time I'd experienced a lucid dream. From the corner of the garage, I heard metal clanging. I turned around to face the sound, and out of the darkness, the man who'd taken the lives of my parents emerged. He spit some phlegm onto the ground and wiped his mouth before addressing me. Hey kid, don't worry, I ain't gonna hurt you. I'd like to though, I'd really like to be able to shut you up, but it don't work that way. Despite my grimy surroundings, and perhaps because it was just a dream, this didn't feel like a place of anger and fear. Unlike the year before, I was able to find my voice right away. Why do you want me to shut up? I hardly ever even speak. When you consider some of the other obvious questions, I know it may sound strange that I chose to open with that. Who was this man, and why do you take an interest in me? Those were the questions I was really thinking, but my participation in the dream was guided, as if my actions weren't wholly my own. The man finally responded, Hell, you quiet ones are the loudest of all. Y'all never stop thinking. Thought after thought, you kids can't ever just shut your brains off. Give me just one loud mouth. Those kids never think about anything. 
Tell you what, if it was up to me, I'd just rip all your fucking heads off and be done with it. But like I said, it don't work that way. I ain't allowed to hurt a child. I looked around and came to a slow realization. This isn't my dream, is it? That's a stupid question. You ever dreamed of a place like this? Of course not. This is my dream, kid. I'm parked right outside your house. I just wanted to take a moment to peek in on you. My fear of this man, which had been otherwise controlled to this point, slowly began creeping back. He saw the look of despair spread across my face. Have you been a good boy this year? He gave a little chuckle. Actually, yes, you have been. Do you remember what I said last time? I give kids what they ask for, the good ones and the bad ones. I shook my head. I didn't ask for anything. I spoke with a confidence I didn't really feel. Sure you did. You kids always ask for something. Don't you worry now, because you're going to get it. The room and the man began to fade away. See you next year, kid. I get the feeling that you and I are going to be a part of each other's lives for a long time. Those were the last words I heard. Pure whiteness consumed me, and then I slept peacefully. My eyes opened. Outside the window, I could see the gray sky that signaled the approaching dawn. The house was eerily quiet. Too quiet. I stayed fixed in my bed on the floor, listening for signs of life from my aunt and uncle, but I could only hear my own heartbeat. I wanted to sit up and look over to them, but I was afraid of what I'd find. The dream had felt so real I wasn't sure what to think. I continued to listen. Please, I whispered to myself, let me hear them breathe. Several minutes passed. I still heard nothing. Tears began streaming down my face and my pillow became wet. I knew deep inside that eventually I would have to look and see if they are okay. I couldn't lay on the floor all day, but my gut instinct told me that I didn't want to witness what was up there. Drawing upon my deepest strength, I put my hands over my eyes and sat up. Slowly, I moved a single finger away from my teary eye. There was no blood, no gore. I pulled my hands fully away from my face. I could see Uncle Anton's chest clearly rise and fall. He was sleeping peacefully and very quietly. Aunt Janine turned in her sleep and mumbled a few nonsense words before returning to her silent rest. I smiled and then I laughed in relief. I could see no evidence that the man had been there. It was still early, but any sense of sleepiness had been pushed away by my earlier feeling of dread. I stood up and walked over to the mirrored closet door. I looked at my red eyes and wiped them dry, while behind me I could see the reflection of my aunt and uncle sleeping soundly. There was no need to wake them. I left the room with the intent of getting something to eat, most likely a bowl of cereal. I walked down the hallway and passed by the alarm panel on the wall. All the lights were green. The doors, the windows, they were all secure. Nobody could have gone in. Now fully relaxed, I passed through the living room on my way to the dining area. That's when I saw it, sitting right on top of the dining room table. I froze in place and looked all around to see if there was anything else out of place, but everything else was as it should have been. I turned again to the table and stared at the beautifully wrapped gift box that definitely hadn't been there the night before. It was a large box, maybe about 18 inches square. The wrapping paper that covered it was bright red with sparkles all over it. A pretty green bow covered the top. My aunt and uncle had agreed that we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas that year, yet there sat a gift box atop the dining room table. I wondered if they changed their minds. I walked slowly towards the gift, step by step. I stood up on one of the dining room chairs so that I could see the top of the gift. Whoever had wrapped it had taken their time. The box's lid was wrapped separately from the box itself. I lifted it up, then I peered inside. There was no fade to white for me that time. No, I saw exactly what was in the box, and simultaneously, three truths occurred to me. The first truth was that the man had been in my house. Despite all the security measures, he'd gone in and out without raising a single alarm. The second was that the man had been right. I'd asked for something without even realizing it. The third truth was the sinking acceptance that his visits would be an annual occurrence. I stood there on the chair, staring into my parents' dried-out eyes, which were still in their decapitated heads, which were both in the box. 
I'd said I wanted them back, and the man, however he did it, had heard me and granted my wish in a manner befitting his evil ways. The ultimate truth I learned that day was that there could be no mess-ups with my behavior and I could want for nothing. I was being constantly watched and my mind was being constantly invaded. Bad actions would be severely punished and even good behavior relieved its own sick and twisted reward. And that's the story of how a very well-behaved boy became the perfectly behaved boy. And as perfectly behaved boy, all my desires had to be held in check. Emotionally speaking, I had to become less than human so the visitor would have no fuel for the wicked game he played. Of course, nobody is truly perfect, and there were slip-ups throughout the following years, times when I inadvertently made a wish or asked for something. The slip-ups were very costly to me, but I don't care to recount the full extent of them here. I think I've given enough of myself for tonight. I'm wary and beaten, but what I will tell you is that after 30 years, I'm no longer afraid to finally say that I want the painful memories to go away. I don't want them more. I even said out loud, I want the memories to be gone. It's cold outside now, and it's getting late. I think I'll make myself a cup of hot chocolate with some peppermint before turning in. That'll make me happy. For the first time in ages, I'm calm and at peace. Looking out the windows, I can see all the pretty lights on the eaves of the houses. I don't think I ever really had the chance to appreciate just how festive they make everything look. For a long time, I just didn't care. But now, I'm going to take a few minutes to enjoy them while I can. Good night, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Sheesh. Yeah. Sheesh. Sheesh. Damn. Yep. <laughs> that one was crazy. I know. <laughs> All right. This one's called Christmas Lights. Okay. Oh my god, this is really short. Short. Do you want to read two? <laughs> yeah, I'll read two. Okay. On Black Friday, the lights go up. It's every bit a tradition as eggnog and fruitcake. The odd bit is how fast we put out the Christmas lights before the nights turn black as pitch and the cold gets that bitter edge and the wind whispers vague, unsettling things when you turn your head just so. The darkness is beat back by a gaudy multicolored strands of electric lamplight and the stark white of 21 watt incandescent icicles. Some people have even burned down their homes trying to erase every shadow from their property. Still, for the entire month of December, the whole nation keeps its night light on. Have you ever wondered why? Ew. <laughs> Wait, was that... Ew, what? That was it. Creepy. Yeah. I didn't... I kind of forgot it was going to be scary, and then the last time I was like, ooh. Ew. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I like that mm -hmm. one. Alaris is killing it. Dude, for real. Oh, this one's super short, too. Okay. Alright, this one's called Silent Nightmare. Children are always warned not to stay up on Christmas Eve and wait for Santa, let alone try to sneak a peek at him. There's a good reason for this, in fact. Santa knows when you are sleeping. He knows who has been naughty. For children who have been naughty... Being awake on Christmas can be, well, unfortunate. How, after all, do you think he gets all those small young elves? Ew, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> there you <laughs> Oh my god. Savage. Would you like to read another short one or should I start my next one? 
Um, I can read another one. There's another short one. And then she okay. she wrote that the other ones were medium, so. Okay. <laughs> this one's called Santa's Sleigh. There once was a young boy called Thomas who, like many children, was very much in love with the idea of Santa Claus and his magical band of reindeer pulling his sleigh full of toys through the skies on Christmas Eve. Thomas's parents were happy to pander to Thomas's fantasies. It was a part of the magic of Christmas after all, and thus when Thomas ran into their room one Christmas Eve calling, Mommy, Daddy, Santa's here. They thought nothing of it and told Thomas to go back to sleep and wait until morning. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas couldn't be con- con- not conceived. Convinced. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh my god. My bad. Different Thomas- words. <laughs> yeah, totally different meaning. <laughs> Thomas couldn't be convinced, however, and kept tugging and pulling on the sheets until at last his mother got up. Listen, he's on the roof now, Thomas said with glee. Thomas's father was about to comment when, to his shock, he heard a thump-thump sound. Something was on the roof. Instantly, <laughs> instantly losing his Christmas cheer, Thomas's father awoke his wife and instructed her to watch Thomas as he went to investigate. Thomas was most unhappy, but his mother comforted him, informing him that it was probably a raccoon or another small animal that Daddy had to check. Thomas, however, replied, But Mommy, I told you it's Santa. Thomas's mother simply jumped as she heard a thump thump from above. It sounded awfully big for a raccoon. She called out mm-hmm. to her husband, but he told her everything was fine as he went downstairs with the flashlight. The sound of the downstairs door opening signaled Thomas's father going outside, and it didn't take long for him to rush back inside. His face as pale as the snow outside, he motioned to his wife and son desperately as his eyes looked wide with horror. It's coming down the chimney, I swear to God. Get up, we have to. Suddenly, the sound of crashing from downstairs made Thomas's mother cry out in fear as she leaped out of bed. Thomas, finding himself lifted up as his father grabbed a nearby lamp and headed out into a the hall along with the others but daddy it's santa thomas gasps not understanding why his mother and father were getting so scared (sighs) neither his mother or father answered as they made their way down the stairs toward the open front door as they fled outside thomas glanced briefly to the open door leading to their main living room which had an open fireplace the view was brief but what he saw made his eyes grow wide. A large figure dressed in red stood in the room, covered in soot and examining the Christmas tree, swaying from side to side as if drunk, the figure began to turn as the family fled the house and made a grunting sound. A large bushy beard and angry eyes were the last Thomas saw before his mother slammed the front door shut behind her and ran into the night. Why are we running from Santa, Thomas wondered to himself, God. his parents rushing to a neighbor's home. When authorities arrived at the Weathers' home, they found themselves in a confrontation with an aggressive and drunken man who had forced himself into the home by dead of night. 
They were startled by his strength, but also by how he managed to silence himself down a chimney to enter the home, risking certain death had he gotten stuck. Most disturbing was how the man who tried to bite an officer's ear off before being restrained was dressed. It wasn't until later that they found out the man had stolen a Santa suit from a local charity worker who had been mugged and stripped of his clothing before being left in the alley. It would seem that the weathers were picked at random and the authorities all agreed it was lucky the family had made it out without injury, although Thomas never knew much until later in his childhood since of wonder about Santa and his sleigh may well have saved his life. Jesus Christ. Wow. I actually crazy. like how that one wasn't a demon or something at the end. They're yeah. like, no, it was actually a person. It was just a crazy drunk guy. Ew. Oh That's my god. Crazy. You know, reading a lot of these stories tonight and hearing your stories is making me realize I never want to have a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they're awful. Yep. Okay, well, my next one is called The Killing Fields. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and this is written by Tewahawe. Sorry, I don't know how to read people's usernames. <laughs> Every year with the first snow, I feel a dread. I've witnessed massacres, slaughters, annually like clockwork. Ritualistically, the eldest are taken, the strongest and tallest, pillars of the community. It's as if it's an insidious, quiet genocide, keeping us from knowing a full life, from gaining wisdom of age. I was but a shrub, a sapling, when my family was taken. Why was I spared? I would beg for answers to the remains of my kin, left behind as a warning of what will one day be my fate. I spent the entirety of the next three seasons wishing they'd taken me too, but when the frost returned and the snow crested, my remaining brethren and I, all I felt was fear. Death is not what scares me. I was and am ready to rejoin those that I've lost in the eternal roots. What scares me is what they'll do to me before my end. Whispers on needles from faraway leaves tell of horrific acts of desecration. Being intentionally dried and desiccated to fuel fires for the pleasure of the harvesters. In some cases, mulched into a pulp to be reformed into twisted and distorted versions of ourselves. To what end, I've not heard. These are only a few of the horrors of the harvesters. It is now my tenth year. I stand proud and strong, a paragon to my species, always trying to instill hope in the saplings, to create a backbone of faith in the internal roots. I only wish I truly believed it myself. I know now I live on borrowed time. Chill has taken the air, and the first flakes of snow now remain on the ground. I see the bright lights approaching from the distance, splitting the dark winter's evening. The harvesters have come. I wish I could steal myself, be brave and stoic. I won't panic or let my fear be known. I refuse to let the saplings see what I have every year. But in truth, I am terrified. The pod that the harvesters emerged from remains blasting its bright, sterile lights on me. I hear the cacophonous, chilling revving of their engines of destruction. My bark crawls. This has been a long time coming. Best of the bunch. We'll put it on the premium lot. One of the benevolent beasts boasts to his cohorts. One grabs my branches, pulling them upward to clear space towards the base of my trunk. I can only wish I had more time. I feel the sharp bite of their machinery begin to smoothly work its way deep into my wood. I sense the tear of the other nearby trees, quaking for... <laughs> 
I have to know, at what point did you realize that it was a tree? <laughs> because I, I'm not going to stop the story. You can think about it, but I want to know when you realize, wait, this is the point of view of a tree. <laughs> right now? Yep. I, mine too. It's whatever they said, the base of my trunk. And I was like, sapling wasn't just a term they were saying. Yeah. I was like, yeah. wait, what? Okay. This just like further proves that Christmas trees are like weirdly hardcore. <laughs> I feel the sharp bite of their machinery begin to smoothly work its way deep into my wood. I sense the terror of the other trees nearby, quaking fur. I know what they are thinking. I've thought it every winter. Will I be next? The agony is unlike any I've ever felt. Small particles of my trunk strewn aside in a cloud of dust. I hold onto my strength through the pain. I refuse to give these beasts the satisfaction. I know it was only a moment, but it felt like an eternity. The saws have severed my connection from the earth. I'm a living corpse. There's no salvation. I'm in the back of their pod now, surrounded by other unfortunate souls. Most are too weak to share their whispers. Those who aren't have lost their minds. I attempt to soothe them. We'll soon return to the roots, my brothers, but my whispers fall to nothing. That's what I am now. Nothing. We arrive at even more disturbing sight, worse than anything I've witnessed in my tortured life. A field of dying, severed souls like myself propped up and bound in strange nets. Dozens of harvesters wander around, inspecting, touching, sniffing. It's repulsive. Is this what fate has in store? Am I kin to be a museum? To be poked and prodded, violated in unnatural ways by these animals? I envy my kin who have lost their minds. They're at peace already, and soul with the eternal roots. I alone live to bear this spirit-crushing burden. I'd hold it all to ensure my brethren never needed to know. Before I know it, I'm hoisted into another pod. More harvesters flock around me. Some are saplings, hell-bent on touching me. With every passing second, I feel myself losing strength. My trunk is drying. With every one of their caress, I shed more needles. They're green and healthy still, but they are worthless to me. They've been tainted, corrupted by them. I am now in a hot, horrific den, the abode of where the harvesters live. I see disfigured, perverted, and warped remnants of trees all over, shaped to be decorative, shaped to be functional, shaped for them to enjoy. How could the eternal roots allow this? How long has it been like this? How could such a twisted world be true? All the questions flood my mind. Perhaps we truly live in a world without a soul. They set me into a spiked basin, impaling up my trunk to hold me upright. These sadists know no bounds. They fill the basin with water. No, just let me die. Why must this torture be prolonged? Why must I suffer this fate? Then I see it. They bring out a box filled with shiny baubles and strange totems. They begin to adorn me. I see. Now I understand. They tear me away from my ken, ensure my inevitable death, prolong my suffering, and finally parade my corpse in their home covered in gaudy trinkets. They intend to humiliate me, to shame me. What could we have possibly done to deserve this cruel, corrupted end? They began to chant rhythmically around me. Never before would I have thought I craved death. Never have I been so helpless. I sat for many days in this hot, unnatural abode, being humiliated and objectified at every moment. I'm a joke to them, but they love me for it. Their sinister enjoyment in my disfigured form is further exasperated by the fire, mere meters away from me. I hear the cracks and snaps of the last bit of life leaving the wood. Those could have been my friends, my family. 
Sap runs down my trunk as a small harvester sapling adds more water to my basin, touching her warm hand against my stalk. Leave me be, small one, for if there's anything sacred in this world, I must die. She stands and attempts to wrap her fleshy, twisty branches around my core, knocking off several of the low-hanging tree kits. I love you, Christmas tree. If I had the power to shudder, I would, but I feel... I hardly feel at all. Apathy has begun to consume me. Perhaps I've been broken. Perhaps they are the masters now. A day has come that the family appears to intend to spend entirely around me. Their presence is disturbingly comforting. They tear apart boxes, my brothers, wrapped in paper, my sisters, filled with strange doodads that give them delight. I take a strange pleasure in seeing their enjoyment. I don't know why, but it sickens me. Why? Why have the masters forsaken me? Did I not do as they needed? Did I not do as they pleased? As my strength waned, my efforts to please them grew. I can still be adorned. I can still be smelled. I'll work harder to retain my needles. I lay here on my side, a small distance from their home. They can see me. I know they can. Bring me back, masters. Bring me home. Like a harbinger of the end, I see a big pod. It's coming for me. Around in the melting snow, I see other trees. Trees like me on their sides. Have they abandoned us? There's a strange, large machine filled with blades and spikes behind this master's pod. It's calling to me, the abyss. No. I know now. There are no eternal roots. There are only the masters. Please take me back. As I'm lifted, I hear the whirring of the machine starting. Time stands still. I call out with the last of my strength. Spare me. The end. Damn. Yeah. I I got to that part when they started cutting, and then I was like, this is a tree. <laughs> this makes me feel bad. A- I know, right? It's funny because... Uh, someone we used to work with, Kristen, she would always joke about how Christmas was so metal because you're just taking like a dead tree and like covering up its corpse and decoration and stuff. I mean, it's true. It is true. Yeah. And especially after reading this, I'm like, oof, okay. <laughs> it's like that. It is like that. Yeah. All right. So this is my last story. It is called The Santa at the Mall. Okay. Oh, and they have an author's note. The story was written for Christian Wallace's Christmas Jolly Time Murder Fest competition with the prompt Mall Santa. Oh, shit. Christmas Jolly Murder Fest sounds like my <laughs> kind of time. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the story. Sarah walks up to the lane of snow, her little guy gripping her hand firmly with his tiny fat fingers. <laughs> <laughs> He looks up at her and gives her a toothy grin, his lips giving way to small white teeth, barely poking out his gums. She looks down and smiles back before walking into the sparkling white line maze. The white walls of the mall shine around them, a sheen of light reflecting off the lineolum. Linoleum. Oh, yeah, that. Sammy gazes around in wonderment at everything around him. The glistening silver lanes, the tinsel on the tree, the shiny linoleum flooring, and the presents and gifts stacked high around the throne. She looks up, sizing up the line in front of her, but is snapped out of this by a tiny voice. Uppy, it says. She looks down, seeing her son craning his neck to look up at her. 
arms outstretched, his tiny hat nearly falling off. He was so cute in that red Santa hat. <laughs> that's cute to picture. <laughs> I like that you stopped to laugh and be like, that's cute. It sounds cute. Stopping by that dollar store on the way, no matter the temperature, was a great decision. He looks so cute in the photos. <laughs> she bends over to pick him up, hugging him tightly to her chest as she stands back upright. Her son rests firmly on her shoulder, eyes darting around the place. The tinsel glistening off the branches of the large Christmas tree. The giant candy canes nearly glowing in the shine of the overhead lights. It must be so nice to be a child to take in the world. She looks ahead, the man in the red suit drawing ever nearer, another screaming child being carried off of his lap. She notes that the Santa hasn't been doing so well, but dismisses it as something like a bad smell or the flashing of cameras that's making the children upset. Sarah didn't want her little tyke to go up there screaming, but the way he looked at Santa, wide-eyed and joyful, she couldn't let it pass. Maybe that Santa's shifts would be in by the time they got up there anyway. Her little Sammy would get a different one. Sarah looks up, another screaming child being carried off, their face twisted into a scrunchy shout. The Santa adjusts his beard, a sour look coming over his face. He reaches his hands to receive another kid, this one simply sitting there looking up at him, before jumping off his legs and running off. <laughs> <laughs> the child, tears staining his face and shoulders off his jacket, runs towards his parents, hugging his father close in, not glancing back until another unhappy tyke was upon the lap of the crimson-clad man. He smiled, bouncing the girl on his knee, before, like all the other kids before her, she began screaming. Sarah sighed and put down her little Sammy. She wasn't sure if she really wanted this for him, to see him go up there just to begin to cry. She looked around to see if she wasn't boxed in, and upon seeing the sea of torsos behind her, each holding up or the hand of their own children, she decided that it was okay to wait it out. Anyway, her little guy might like old Saint Nick anyway. She holds Sammy out in front of her, giving the one-year-old a little shake. His red and white hat jostling off his nearly bald scalp. She picks it up, plopping the two big cap straight back onto his head. It covers his eyes, and he reaches a tiny fist to pick it back up off his eyes. He smiles, shaking his arms around, and laughs a small laugh. Hey, Sammy, are you ready to see Santa? Sarah said, setting him down. Sammy jumps maybe an inch off the ground, his open mouth emitting a sound that was part way between a shriek and a laugh, flapping, <laughs> flapping his arms up and down as he shouts. Yeah, yeah, he says, his mouth exaggerating the movements. He jumps off the ground, arms outstretched, his little fists raised towards the sky. Sarah laughs a little. She loves this little man, so vibrant and full of energy. 
She wonders what it will be like to see him grow up into a child, a teen, an adult, and then she stops thinking about it. Best to live in the moment now rather than to spend time worrying about the future. She's sure he'll grow up to be just fine. She stares intently at the ceiling for a moment before she is quickly brought back to reality by a small tugging her hand. Sammy's voice starts again, saying a slurred, Mommy, Mommy. Sarah looks down to see one of the elves, then down at Sammy, and smiles. He jumps up and down with excitement. I'm gonna see Tanta. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see Tanta, Sammy shouts, his vocal cords straining to make the sound as loud as he can, barely a conversational pitch. The elf picks him up, and Sarah begins walking to the child pickup, glitter and false snow crunching softly under her feet. She turns to watch Sammy, her head hitting a pine tree's branch as she does so. Blushing with embarrassment, she steps forward and smiles at her son. Sammy, looking over, smiles back, but the smile fades as he turns to see the scarlet-clad figure sitting atop an icy plastic throne. Its garments shining in the bright light above its head. Santa smiles and stretches out his arms to greet the little boy. Ho, 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 ho. Hello, little boy. What's your name? The booming voice of Santa call out to Sammy. Tammy, the little boy says, his expression changing. Instead of looking around at the plastic treasures the mall had to hold with wonderment, he watched the giant red-clad sphere of a man with an expression somewhere between shock and fear. Sammy, his white eyes glassly reflecting the light, the large smile, begins to squish his face into a tight screech. He began to flail his arms and legs, kicking and struggling at the elf's hold. Tears flow, the little rivulets of water run, running down Sammy's face, staining his jacket and shirt. His hat falls off his head and an elf scurries in to pick it up. The lady holding him quickly rushes over to Sarah, handing her the screaming child. She hugs Sammy in a tight, rubbing her hand in a small circles across his back. There, there, Sarah says, whispering it gently into his tiny ears. Please, 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 mommy's here. It's okay, I love you. She walks slowly away from the man, the red suit folding as he greets another child, this one wearing an ugly knit sweater. Sammy slowly stops crying. His tears become less and less apparent, his scream becoming less and less loud. Eventually, they fall into silence, and he begins to close his eyes. His weight drops onto Sarah's shoulders, and he falls asleep. He does so just as they reach the car. Sarah wakes up with a start. She's in a black room with a quilt covering her body, no light penetrating the darkness save for a small electric clock. Its feeble glow is just enough for her to see that she's still in her room, her husband still beside her, sleeping, his soft breathing, the only noise in the silence around. There is a sharp tick as the clock clock's display changes to a glowing 
152. Silence rings in her ears louder than any noise she's heard before, with nothing to penetrate it. Strange. She could have sworn she heard Sammy screaming for Mommy just a moment ago. Maybe that's what startled her out of her sleep. She gets up, throwing her covers onto her husband with a thump, and walks slowly to her son's room. Her footsteps echo loudly in the hallway, the noise filling her ears like raindrops do a barrel. It's a short walk from her room to the nursery, but to her it feels like hours on end. She reaches the door and turns the knob to open it. A light creaking noise announces the opening of the door. Inside, she looks down at her son, who appeared to be sleeping just as soundly as before, if not more so. In the light of the moon through his window, he looks unnaturally pale. Sarah walks over to him, no noise coming from her steps. She reaches her hand into the nursery and takes the covers off him to find multiple streaks of crimson blood peppered across his body. Oh my god. Yikes. Sammy, she wails, picking up his limp body and begins to weep holding his lifeless form to her chest, hot tears streaming down her face. As she does so, she hears a faint laugh echo throughout the room. Ho, ho, ho. What the fuck? Oh, my God. I want to know why all the kids were crying, because they sensed like, that this was a creep. Maybe. Or, like, is, is this, I don't even know if this is supernatural or just normal creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I guess there's an alternate ending. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Sarah wakes up with a start. She's in a black room with the quilt covering her body, no light penetrating the darkness. The clock normally by her bedside has been turned off, its faint light no longer glowing, taking away her advantage of sight. Silence rings in her ears louder than any noise she's heard before, with nothing, not even her husband's steady breathing to penetrate it. She puts her hand on her right and finds her husband's hand still there, with the rest asleep next to her. His fingers unnaturally cold. Comforted by this, her thoughts drift to Sammy, who she could have sworn she heard screaming for Mommy just a moment ago. She gets up, throwing her covers onto her husband with a thump, and slowly walks to her son's room. Her footsteps echo loudly in the hallway, the noise filling her ears like raindrops do a barrel. It's a short walk from her room to the nursery, but to her it feels like hours on end. Finally, she reaches the door, turns the knob to open it with a chunk. Inside, she looks down at her son, who appeared to be sleeping just as soundly as before, if not more so. In the light of the moon through his window, he looked unnaturally pale. Sarah takes the covers off him to find multiple slash marks, each seemingly created by a knife of some sort. Sammy, she shouts, picking his limp body up. She cries out, holding his lifeless form to her chest, hot tears streaming down her screaming face. She is too distressed about her now-dead son to notice the red-clad man standing behind her, his knife dully shining in the darkness. 
Well, that's an alternate ending. <laughs> Jesus. Woo. Ooh, okay. Oh, my God. Second one's scarier. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like Hostel. that her husband's clearly dead with a cold hand. She's like, she's oh. comforted. Yeah. Because he's there. Yeah. It was written by Derpy Spaghetti. I love the names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, well. God damn. Yeah. I like I like the second version more just because it leads to like, oh, what then? Yeah. It's a cliffhanger of sorts. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all for listening to this. I hope you all had a great holiday if you yeah. celebrate. If not, Merry I hope you, Christmas. Had a, hope you had a great day just hanging out. <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah, but if you want to email us anything, you can. If anyone wants to play Phasmophobia with me, you can email us at thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are spookyshit underscore pod. And our website is spookyshit-pod.com. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will come back with a true crime episode. I swear to God. It's just been a crazy week. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We both need to get readjusted to these weird schedules we're on, especially you. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll bring you one coming up soon. But, you know, this is actually nice. So we're not tainting the holiday with real tragic stories right now. True. Taking, taking a break, everyone. Just, like, chill. We'll be back <laughs> in the new year with sadness. <laughs> true. Yeah. But you have anything else to add? No, uh, just happy holidays. Yeah. Talk to y'all soon. Happy holidays till next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.